we have several conversations that are kind of, or some that are, but some that are sort of COVID-related. Uh, we, you're hearing in the news about the, the bivalent vaccine now being made available. Uh, we've heard some of the comments from Casey Madju about about vaccine mandates and about the travel mandates and all that. So we, we can talk about a bunch of that stuff coming up this morning. But do you remember, uh, well, it's almost two and a half years ago, isn't it, that uh, when that whole pandemic started to kick in, the rush to try and find some kind of a vaccine, some kind of a protection. And then from there on, researchers, scientists around the world have just been, were just dug in trying to come up with an answer or at least some kind of answer. And they did. Like, that vaccine came out fast. Some people still say it was too fast, but there was solid science behind it. And there were some amazing heroes in that research world, including a whole bunch of Canadian scientists who played an extraordinary role. Yeah, and I don't think that we honour our Canadian researchers and scientists nearly enough. So let's get into some of the accomplishments uh, that they were able to make throughout the pandemic. Our, our guest is a professor of medicine at McGill University. Dr. John Bergeron is joining us. Doctor, good morning. Thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about the Canada Gardner International Award. This is this is a predictor, generally considered a predictor of the Nobel Prize, and it has recognized some Canadians that have made some pretty significant contributions to medicine and science over the pandemic. Yes, so uh, the most recent award was given to uh, Peter Cullis, who is at the University of British Columbia, and he, I followed his work for decades, and he developed all of the work for the lipid coverings of the mRNA vaccines that are used to, for the vaccinations that were so successful. Another investigator, Canadian, is Nahum Sonnenberg, who was also recognized previously with the Gardner International Award for his work on messenger RNA. And in fact, he was a consultant to Moderna where they developed their messenger RNA for the vaccines that are encapsulated by the discovery of Peter Cullis. And this has been a tremendous success. So are these, I mean, are these standout uh, accomplishments in the field of science and medicine? Or does this just point to an industry that is making huge breakthroughs and making waves that maybe the majority of Canadians aren't, aren't aware of? Um, I'm going to use an Edmonton analogy, if I may. Mm-hmm. You recall the, um, the years of Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier in Edmonton? Of <laughs> now you're speaking and, our language. No, there you and, go. That's right. That was talent. So Peter Cullis and... Uh, Nahum Sonnenberg is that kind of talent. It comes along, these are geniuses, and it's that talent that we were so fortunate to have to enable these vaccines to be developed. I just want to point out that in an article Kathleen Dixon and I published recently, we documented, we pointed to the study that documented that in 2021 alone, the vaccine saved over 310,000 lives in Canada. Wow. Well, that's that's hero land, right? And that's, that's I think that's sort of the point that you're trying to make, that there are some people uh, who are unsung heroes who have been 
uh, busily working in what is the background of the rest of us, but who have made a major, major impact on, on our country and the world. Yes, but, uh, but uh, Edmonton is a world-class center for this. In 2020, the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine was given to the University of Alberta, to Mike Houghton, for his discovery of hepatitis C. And you have Lauren Terrell, Rick Ratchubinsky at the University of Alberta. These are all in that category. Can you give me an idea whether this is a competitive world? Uh, is, are, are, are different researchers sort of competing both for, for grant money, for research money to try and get to an answer first? Or is it a more cooperative uh, situation where people are sharing their research around the world and then building off other researchers as well? How does it work? So the discovery research is usually shared and pretty open. It's the discovery research that Peter Cullis was involved in in Nahum Sonnenberg, and that leads to the applications of the vaccines that Peter Cullis was involved in all the way to the uh, company that he founded in order to develop exactly how the vaccines would enter our bodies. Now, for the discovery research, Kathleen Dixon and I have published another article where we document that in the National Institutes of Health that funds their discovery research, all of the approved drugs that the pharmaceutical companies made came from that entity. And right now in Canada, that supports our discovery researchers, we are only at about 2% of the funding comparatively to the NIH in the United States. That means the Americans fund their discovery researchers for health, discoveries for all the cures, including cancer that you featured earlier, five times more per person than we do in Canada. And this means our talent is not going to stay here. We're going, they're going to leave. Yeah, this was going to be my question because we talk about so many issues that, that plague, you know, the the health industry in general, but I think a large portion of that that sort of gets forgotten is the research sector. So, I mean, what what's being done to sort of push for more funding or you know, sound those alarms to try to get government support? So, if I may, um, there is an effort going on right now, and if your listeners wish to participate, we would be most grateful, and that's hashtag can fund science and if they were willing to retweet that they would see what it is that we're trying to accomplish in order to assure the appropriate funding for the um, federal research that funds research across Canada for in everything including the humanities the psychologists the mm -hmm. economists everyone that's necessary in order to deal with all of our crises, including, of course, our health crises and the next pandemic. Yeah, pretty easy to remember. Can fund science, fund the hashtag. Science. Hashtag <laughs> can fund science. Got it. Uh, Dr. Bergeron, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for, uh, for, for raising this and uh, raising some awareness about those heroes working, uh, working in labs behind the scenes all across our country. And the heroes at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. Thank you.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.